0: Larry, it amazes me how sometimes months in advance, we preachers are drawn to passages that have a power in the moment we could not have anticipated when we picked them. That's a sign of sheer grace, y'all. Preachers aren't in it by ourselves. (laughs) We're going to hear a passage from 1 John 4 today. And we pray that as we read it, and hear it and listen for the Holy Spirit through it, God will speak to us in powerful ways. Listen to this reading. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Would you pray with me? Lord, open our minds and our hearts and our spirits so that in these moments we hear you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Just in case you missed it, um, walking in love is not optional for those who follow Jesus. And it's pretty obvious that John... Knows that sometimes you have to make a case in the negative, and other times you need to make a case in the positive. And because you never know what's on the minds and the hearts of any congregation that's gathered on any particular Sunday, sometimes you just have to do both. So at the end of the text, it says, If you claim to love God, but you do not love your brother or sister, you are a liar. Um, I'm thinking that that's probably not how we usually advise preachers to preach on their first Sunday in a congregation. I just want you to see the word is in the scriptures. It wasn't just mine. But at the very beginning of that text that I read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Starts in the positive It's an invitation to live in love and walk in love and be bound together in a love that will not ever, ever let us go. Well, if we're going to settle into this text for a little bit, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through it. And it occurs to me we should first ask ourselves, what exactly is this love that we are being called to walk in? Because we don't want to get confused and we don't want to just sentimentalize this. This, this love that's being described here in 1 John 4 is not what one preacher once described as a cozy emotional feeling. Because that same preacher, if you won't tell anybody he's a Presbyterian, so you can do with that what you want, says that you can as easily produce a cozy emotional feeling on demand as you can a yawn or a sneeze. This love that's being described in our text from 1 John is not a love that just naturally exists among human beings. It's not the kind of thing that you mean when you heart something on Facebook. By the way, I don't do that, but I hear that people do. It's not the kind of love conveyed by what we sometimes call as Facebook friendship. <laughs> It's not the kind of love that exists when you're just around people who conveniently enough already think like you, pray like you, talk like you, vote like you, sing like you, and not like all the same things you like. No. The love that we are asked to practice, the love in which we are called to walk according to 1 John is the love that exists First and foremost, and above and beyond all else, in the inner life of God. God is love. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist eternally as three persons bound together in a love that this world cannot wrap our minds around. It is an intentional, relentless, relational, sacrificial, forgiving, reconciling, healing kind of love that exists first and foremost and above all else in the very heart of God. And that is the love that you and I are called to practice. And just case we don't see that clearly, the text says if you want to know what this love looks like, look at Jesus, who was sent in the, into the world to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Look at the love you see in the coming. Living, teaching, dying, and rising of Jesus Christ. Look at that relentless, sacrificial, intentional, purposeful love that never ever let anyone down and never ever will let anyone go. Look at that love. (laughs) See what love the Father has for us, the text says. When the writer says, beloved, let us love one another, the writer is inviting us to share with one another nothing less than that wonderful, relentless, beautiful love that lives always in the heart of God. So there's an obvious question. How do we walk in that? I don't think there's a podcast. Is that the kind of love where you um, understand it and it immediately happens? Like if we could just take another course, right? I know, let's have a course on that. And you can pass the test, and you can be certified, and you're ready to go. It's not worked that way for me. Is it even the kind of love where if you look at it and you see it in the life of Jesus, you can copy it? That's not how I've experienced it. And that's actually not what the text from 1 John says happens. The text from 1 John does not say that we see the love of God made perfect in Jesus and we automatically just follow his example in our own strength, as our own accomplishment, as our own spiritual victory, and off we go walking. If that was the point of the sermon today... Look how beautiful God's love is in Jesus. Now go out and copy it in your own power. You should respectfully ask for a refund. (laughs) Because what we're supposed to be here for today is good news. We're supposed to be here today for a gospel. And surely the good news is better than God did it. Now go copy God. No, what the text from 1 John says is that we have been given the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is poured out into our lives as a way of allowing us to continue to experience the same love from God that was present when God sent Jesus into the world. You see, the love of God is not something that exists in heaven always and happened in earth once and can only be seen and accessed if you happen to be alive in the first century. No, the good news of the Gospel today is that the Holy Spirit is still making God's love available to us today through the reading of Scripture, through preaching, through friendship, through prayer, and in so many other ways, we continue to have access to that love of God that will not let us go. The kind of love we are called to walk in, is not a love that we see and copy. No, it is a love that overwhelms us. It is a love that overtakes us. It's a love that fills our hearts and works on us and works on us and works on us until we are more and more perfected in it, and until that love becomes more and more complete Can you think of a time in your life when the Holy Spirit ambushed you with the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord? I can think of a time when I experienced it. And I can think of a lot of times, not only when I experienced it in myself, but when I saw it in others. But we're not going to stay here all day, so I'm going to give you two examples. And if these examples don't work for you, you you can supply your own. We celebrated communion a few moments ago and and Larry, it it reminded me, it took me all the way back, although we we didn't have these um, disposable communion vessels back then when I was in eighth grade, (laughs) but it took me all the way back to my eighth grade year when, I I just got to tell it like it is, our church in North Carolina decided that what we needed to do was have a service on the Thursday night before Easter. I wish I could tell you that when that word came out and my parents said that we were going that I thought it was a good idea. (laughs) I did not sing victory in Jesus (laughs) when that word came forward. But there I went the Thursday night before Easter of my eighth grade year, 7.30 at night. Obviously love had not been perfected in me yet. And I I have to be humble enough to, to admit to you that I don't remember anything that was said in the sermon that night. But what I do remember about that night was that we shared communion because it was the night we were commemorating Jesus establishing the Lord's Supper. And I I was having a miserable year in school. Socially especially. I didn't feel like I was worth anything. You know, that is isn't a, a risk of being in the eighth grade. Maybe it's more in North Carolina than Texas. We can talk after. <laughs> I was lonely. I was isolated. I couldn't imagine there could be any use. But as we passed the elements of communion up and down the row of that church that night, and as the musicians played, and then as our choir stood to sing, I had this overwhelming experience that I could not put into words. I, I was stunned, but, but the, the essence of it was I heard a voice essentially say, I love you. You are mine. This is my body for you. See, God showed his love for us so much that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is my body. This is my love. This is my life. This is my best for you. For you. I walked out of that church that night dazed, mesmerized. Because I've been ambushed by a love that was so abundantly far more than anything else I could have ever asked or imagined. Anytime, anywhere, it wasn't distantly back there on Maundy Thursday in 33 AD. It was right there in that room that night, a perfect love, casting out fear, an embrace of a loving God whose love will never ever let us go. That love that begins in the heart and mind of God with intentionality found its way into my life and the journey that brought me to Valley Ranch today in some ways started in that moment. Years later as a pastor in North Carolina, one of the coolest things pastors get to do is baptize folks. And I had the privilege one Sunday morning of baptizing a a young man who was 10 or 11 years old, about the age of my youngest kids. And uh, we stood in the baptistry. I asked him to make his profession of faith. He did. I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I put him under the water, brought him back up, prayed with him in the water. We left the baptistry. And he ran up to me in the hallway. And gave me this incredible hug and said, Paul, Jesus just washed all my sins away. He wasn't just studying up on a theological concept that we had talked about before he was baptized. He wasn't just thinking about it. No, the love that existed from the before all time in the heart and mind and life of the triune God that was most evident in the coming, dying, and rising of Jesus broke out into his life in those baptismal waters. And he could say, Jesus just washed all my sins away. You see, we walk in love because love breaks its way into our lives and into our hearts. It ambushes us when we least expect us. It. it trips us up when we're walking somewhere else, doing somewhere else. And then over and over and over again as we experience that love more and more, we are drawn more and more into that love. The gospel this morning is not that if you study Jesus long enough, you can copy him. The gospel this morning is that Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is still loving you in this moment, in the midst of this broken, dying, hurting world where there's so many questions and so much confusion and so much division. The Holy Spirit is still wrapping the arms of God's love around us and holding us tight. And it's that love that is being released more and more and more into us. But don't get it wrong, y'all. This love is not just something we receive. (laughs) Because it's active. Because it's intentional. Because it's relentless. It sends us who have been drawn into Jesus' love into the world to share it. First John makes a powerful claim. First John claims there is a love so amazing and so divine and so beautiful and so perfect. That when people are drawn to that love through Jesus Christ... They are brought into a community that loves one another even when it doesn't think the same way about everything else. You see, (laughs) I was thinking the other day, one of the worst definitions I ever heard of being Baptist was this. And, and, And the person who told me this actually loved Jesus, so I've tried to make peace with it later. But this person actually told me that a Baptist congregation was a group of like-minded individuals. What rock had he crawled under? (laughs) None of us are perfect. We all see through a glass darkly. Even when we think we see the most clearly, we still see through a mirror dimly, Paul says. That extra text is no extra charge today. We all see through a mirror dimly. And what binds us together is not that we always agree. You don't need God to bind people together who always agree. That's called an echo chamber, and there's a Facebook algorithm for it. (laughs) It's also incredibly boring. And there's no opportunity to ever learn a new thing or think a new thing or discover a new thing in the name of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit sometimes ambushes us through people who see things a little different from us. If you don't think that's true biblically, I would encourage you to read the letters to the Corinthians. What I want to suggest to you is that this week and last week and the week before and the week after... What the Holy Spirit is trying to do in the life of Valley Ranch Baptist Church is make you a demonstration of a love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord that is so powerful that it holds you together what algorithms cannot. That you have been ambushed by a love so holy and so beautiful that you cannot help but walk in it. That you cannot help but sing in it. That you cannot help but serve through it. That when everybody else is clenching their fists, you cannot help but opening your arms because that's what God did for all of us on the cross. If you truly love one another in the ways that God loves us in Jesus, your congregation becomes a demonstration of that love that has existed in the heart of God from the very beginning. Your congregation becomes a witness of that love in this part of Texas. Your congregation becomes a point that when you open your doors, God's love escapes out into the world because just as God's love could not be contained in the heart of God, and just as God's love could not be contained in the life of Jesus, and just because God's love could not be contained in that boy so long ago that he jumped up and down when he hugged me and told me, Jesus has washed all my sins away. The love that meets us here today does not keep us here. It sends us out to be a demonstration that there is in this world a love that is strong enough to hold us together in grace. Several years ago, I had the privilege of reading a book by an African theologian named Emmanuel Katonkle called Mirror to the Church. It was a lesson for the American church based on the genocide in Rwanda. You all may remember that in Rwanda, which was the most evangelized nation in Africa in the 1990s, that one year Christians from different tribal backgrounds in Rwanda worshiped together on Easter Sunday, and the very next week they picked up machetes and killed each other. Katangle looked back on that decades later and said, You know what happened in Rwanda? What happened in Rwanda was that the blood of tribalism ran deeper than the waters of baptism. What happened in Rwanda was that lesser things were allowed to turn people who were all loved by God in Jesus Christ our Lord against each other in division and destruction. There's a lot of tribalism out there today. And honesty compels me to report that there's a lot of tribalism at work among Baptists today. But I came here today with good news. The good news is not, you're right and I'm right. The good news is not that I like your post. The good news is that the love that from before all time began was exploding in the heart of God has ambushed the world in Jesus Christ. And it's still unleashed in the lives of believers through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is casting that love all around this room this morning. So, in a moment, stand on your feet. Jump for joy. Walk out those doors. Walk in love. And pray that the rest of the world falls on its knees. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we live in a world that is torn apart There is so much fear still. So we pray that you would send among us your perfect love that cast out fear. There is still sin in our lives and in our hearts. And so we pray that you would release your perfect love that forgives sin. We feel that as we make ourselves available to you this morning, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in our lives and that you would kindle in us an awareness of your love and that you would grow that love in us and complete it in us. Not by our effort, but instead by your grace. And that then you would send us to live in this world as extensions of that love. Remind us, oh God, that before Jesus ascended from to heaven, He said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Send us in love, O God. Send us in grace. Send us for healing. Send us for life. O God, I pray that you would knit this wonderful congregation together in such a love that not only you hold them together, but they flourish in your amazing love and bear witness to it in their words and in their deeds Today, tomorrow, and always, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.